Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Bald Move Pulp podcast. We got a commissioned pulp podcast today. Uh, Sheldon, who you might recall late last year, commissioned the original, the, the, the OG Jurassic Park, is back. Back with some more T-Rex terror with 1997's follow-up to Jurassic Park, The Lost World, colon, Jurassic Park. Goddamn. They just were, didn't really they just really want to call things part two back then. I, I hate it so much. This is one of my most hated movie titles. Um, yeah. Because what do you Same. do with this? Because it's Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. and then The Lost World Jurassic Park, and then Jurassic Park 3. How do I organize my movie shelf? How do I organize, yeah. especially a digital catalog? It's... It's impossible. Like, luckily, some of them allow a sort order and then a title order, and you can sort it as Jurassic Park Two. But in programs, don't do that. What the What the hell? What are we doing? This is named by the same people that came up with the Xbox line, like you know, Xbox One right. or Xbox Two, Xbox Three Sixty, X Phone. <laughs> but at least uh, they put the Xbox first. If they had done like that's true, Three Sixty X, Xbox I, box, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst. Her box colon X pro. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, I, I. it's always bugged me, especially since we now got Jurassic World mm-hmm. and World Domination and Road Rules, Dinosaur Road. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. There's actually a lot of things I don't like about this film. Um, sure. But let's, 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 uh, we're, we're, cha- we're, 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 we're too eager. This is directed. Uh, the, the whole team got back together. Uh, Steven Spielberg, Behind the Lens. David uh, Kep Cap is is writing a screenplay based on a sequel uh, to Jurassic Park: The Lost World by Michael Crichton, who wrote the original. Never done a sequel before. Loosely based. We got we got to Lo- talk very about that here loosely a bit. based. Yes, yeah. yes. I had some grim chuckles when I started to see the <laughs> pre-production notes on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it stars Jeff Goldblum. He's back as Dr. Ian Malcolm. Uh, it also stars Julianne Moore. You've seen her in Boogie Nights. Uh, we've seen her on Bald Move Podcasts and Children of Men and Magnolia. Uh, it also stars Pete P- uh, Postlewaite. Yeah, that's Postle- not how you do it. Wait, I think. Postlewaite, uh, mm-hmm. who you've seen in The Usual Suspects, Dragonheart, uh, Amistad. He was the dad, the, the, the cold, cruel father in Inception. Arliss Howard, who we just saw being the president of the Boston Reds and Moneyball, Vince Vaughn, True Detective Season 2's own, and Peter Stormare. You've seen him in Fargo. You've seen him in a bunch of Coen Brothers stuff. Uh, he, stuff. Has he ever not played a complete dickhole? No. No, that's what he was born to play, and he plays it so well. He's so good. He's so good. Uh, he's a giant, giant, giant dickhole in this movie. Um, let's start off with Sheldon. Sheldon uh, wrote... Uh, in and said always happy to help provide content thank you very much Sheldon I would say that this movie doesn't quite hold up to the first movie but it does have some terrific moments Uh, absolutely on the side though I think that these movies should have stopped right here no more maybe Jurassic World but that's it thanks for covering this movie but it's probably the last Jurassic Park review from me unfortunately so there you go if you want to hear the rest of the Jurassic Park canon saga uh, someone else is going to have to pick up the torch uh, he said, let's dedicate this podcast to my dog, Deuce. The roar of the T-Rex kind of terrifies him in a comical way. Hmm. Well, here's your salute, Deuce. We we oohed and odd over him before the podcast. He's a very good boy. 
what do you call that tri trichromia when when the the, do the dogs have two separate eye colors he's got one brown eye and then one shockingly blue blue eye gives him a lot of character mm -hmm. thanks for sharing thanks thanks for parent paying the dog tax on top of the commission uh well where we want to start here jim i guess what what do you think of this movie have you seen it before when's the last time you've seen it? let's do the regular stuff yeah the usual uh i have seen this movie before and this movie has one of let's say the most memorable scenes uh from the Jurassic Park series in it and we'll talk about sure. it more later uh but definitely i i remembered several set pieces from this movie actually it has quite a few good set pieces um that i remember and i will say i never thought too much of this movie i i love 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 the first one this movie i don't think holds a candle to the first one um Jurassic Park is about as good as you can get, um, about as perfect a movie as I can imagine. This one has problems, um, but they're not like huge problems. I don't think this is garbage. I think this is like a passable movie that isn't quite as exciting or fun or any of the doesn't have much of the charm of the first one. I agree. I've saw I saw this movie once in a movie uh, in the theaters on opening night. I think I see seen it once since then, and I've never had the urge to revisit it. And as I was watching it, you know, because I'd forgotten. I guess I I thought Spielberg bowed out. No. Um. And when I saw it was actually directed by him in the and and the the credits, I, I was like, holy shit! Because the thing that I think makes this feel off is it just felt devoid of passion. It felt like everyone mm. was going through the motions. Even Jeff Goldblum, who I think does some interesting, funny stuff, and he's got some, he's given some funny lines. Mm -hmm. Like every once in a while, he'd get a take where he's really up for it, but most of the time, like some of the delivery just falls flat. The stunt work, because they're incapable of getting this man to do anything more than uh, an ironic jog from danger. <laughs> There's just a lot of that kind of like paint by like yeah well and so i, I felt like that everyone kind of did this because there's a giant bag of money involved yeah. Yeah. and i feel like from reading the production details that's kind of what happened you know no yeah. one was like against it and it wasn't like a cash grab it's more like well shit the other one is so much fun made so much money of course we'll make another one and they made another one and then you also said it has a bunch of memorable set pieces mm-hmm all movies have set pieces, at least action movies do, right? Mm -hmm. um, the best ones, you don't think of them as set pieces. Like, you think of it like, sure. you know, as like something that goes smoothly and it's everything's integrated. The bad ones, and uh, uh, like, like even a Fast and Furious franchise, I love those movies, but they're not great. They are just set pieces with thin connective tissue. And this felt mm -hmm. more like that. Like, you know what was cool is when a T-Rex attacked a bunch of helpless civilians in a vehicle in the rain? Fucking two T-Rexes. Right. An accordion a bus. twice as long, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, and we'll make this, we'll make it, it's twice the T-Rex, three times the running time. And I felt myself, like, getting bored through some of them or thinking, mm -hmm. oh, you, you push too hard. It felt forced. Some stuff felt like... And and then it epitomizes by um, the tire flipping up out of the explosion <laughs> at the end of the one, uh -huh. where it's like not only did it feel forced, it felt like mm, the composite it just it, it it looked fake. The I scene's agree. better without it. And but yeah. but there's this so much excess. 
and, and, there, and there's just a lot of like um a lot of phys physical problems with that scene uh they don't take into account any of the falling mechanics or anything like that and it, it but they also at the same time want to have their cake and eat it too right with the window cracking and the the surface tension or, or the surface area um problems and all that but i don't know i mean that's like that's one problem with the scene the other problem is a lot of those scenes just look bad i felt like the cg despite being four years after jurassic park ended up looking worse somehow i um, agree there are parts of jurassic park that you can see a little bit of the cg and you can tell it's a little blurry it's a little uh the lighting isn't quite right especially during those daytime scenes but then you look at this movie and they just kind of they, they kind of didn't even hit the mark that they set in Jurassic Park for those types of things. And I felt like it was an over-reliance of CG. Like yeah. that scene yeah. of the Stegosauruses in the initial yeah, clearing is so garbage. And I think it's because in the uh, old Jurassic Park, those probably that close to the actors would have been practical Stegosauruses. Mm -hmm. You might have had the establishing shot of them coming through, but then you would... and and. The CGI, even though it had, as you said, you know, an extra five years to kind of mature, it just wasn't up to it. And I, I think that's one of the reasons some of those scenes felt so samey because it's like T Rex is attacking, got to be in the rain because the effects aren't going to hold up if it's in full atmospheric lighting conditions. And yeah, it's a bummer. But there's a ton and of like, yeah, like uh, CGI rats essentially running all over Peter Stormare's body and some of that stuff didn't kind of quite and, and a lot of the velociraptor attacks that I I because we just did Jurassic Park so when you say there's yeah. some things are creaky I know exactly what you're talking about mm -hmm. one of the creakiest things is like the um some of the Jurassic the 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 velociraptors making bad contact with the ground and they're doing more <laughs> yeah. stuff in this movie and it's bad that's there's the problem right bad this is like this is kind of the the disease of more uh, displayed on screen. Like they, it wasn't enough to just do T Rexes and Velociraptors again because, and you know whatever the the I don't know things that get Dennis Nedry are, you had to do another bunch of types of dinosaurs, right? So you got the the charging dinosaur, you've got a Triceratops again, you've got Stegosaurus, you've got Compies, you've got Velociraptors, T Rexes, Pterodactyls later. You've you've got ten different types of dinosaurs where like five types of dinosaurs probably would have done and you could have concentrated more on making those look better. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, just to do it faster, cheaper, do CGI rather than practical effects. Because the best you'll ever mm -hmm. get is I think blends of both. You know, even things are do like next level, like Mandalorian is doing the volume sets that are all real-time high-definition light mapping, all this crap. The stuff that the actors are standing next to and are touching are always, always, always physical objects, you yeah. know, because it's just even today with the graphics that we got, with the resolutions that we have, with the textures we have, it's not, you know, when a real solid thing that's lit touches another thing that's CG, it's 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 always a little uncanny valley. But it's tough because, like, what do you do with Jurassic Park 2? You can't just keep it the same scale and make it roughly the same movie. I don't think people would be satisfied with that. So you try and go bigger, but if you don't have the resources, either technologically or financially, I'm sure I'm sure they had all the money in the world to make this. I didn't look up the budget. True. Um, but, you know, if you don't have the resources technologically to get there, you're kind of stuck, right? Because 
I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have been happy with uh, Jurassic Park 2 that was just a rerun of the first. Well, see, so, like, I want to talk about The Lost World, the book by Michael Crichton. Because I before Jurassic okay. Park came out, I read Jurassic Park, the novel, and I thought it was really good, hmm. and I was excited to see it. And the novel and the 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 uh, the movie are very closely related. And, the, of course, you know, Michael Crichton famously had never written a sequel before. He was kind of, like, morally against it, but he kept on yeah. counting the money, and he kept on getting letters from children, uh, to, you know, and, and everybody's excited. So he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll give it a try. And the thing about Michael Crichton that's interesting, or stuff that I like that he writes, is very technical, like, science, like, what-if kind of stuff. And clearly mm-hmm. when he came back and sat down in front of his typewriter, he's like, okay. I introduced this thing where all the dinosaurs are genetically female. They have to eat this lot. They have a lysine deficiency that they have to. There's all these controls. It's like, how biologically speaking, would this species continue to propagate itself? How would life find a way? Right. And a lot of the novels is, is kind of like that naturalist stuff where the kind of mission that Malcolm's supposed to be on to kind of study and observe the dinosaurs and see what's going on with them. And I thought that stuff was really fascinating. Like, how would, you know, how, um, the movie kind of puts lip motion or, or lip ser- plays lip service to those concerns. And they even talk about, you know, like, my jo- John, how are your dinosaurs re- doing all this? And then they drop it like a hot potato in favor of introducing these hunter gather these, these, these hunters that are there to, like, take everything from Jurassic Park. And, mm-hmm. and that led to, like, an overstuffing of an idea because, like, I feel like this movie would have been stronger had they not brought the T-Rex to San Diego. Or maybe... Interesting. Maybe okay. you bring maybe you bring the dinos dinos to San Diego so like you have um, uh, dinos loose in a big American city because like it's it's too much the same of just running around in in, in mm-hmm. jungles at night that are that are being rained on um, yep. and it's but but it's also if you get yeah no I, I I there is no other hand it's just too much of the same it's just like mm-hmm. did you like that bowl of uh, vanilla ice cream here's a double scoop of it for the next time yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's interesting, like bringing up the idea that the the science is a big focus of the Lost World novel, um, and that's kind of lost here because, yeah, definitely they lose all the science stuff here. I and and it's not even just that they lose the science stuff. I like I don't know what the fuck is going on with the evolution on this planet. Like how you have pterodactyls in the sky, I couldn't tell you in four years. Like mm-hmm. that just doesn't happen. That's not even like life finds a way. That's like. Bullshit. Well, I no, 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 bullshit. no, they didn't. E- they didn't evolve pterodactyls. They had pterodactyls. They the... did. Yeah. At site B, out. they just had pterodactyls. They had pterodactyls. Yeah. Why would they not have those at site A? Because they weren't. They didn't have the. I think it's canonically that they didn't have the biodrome to hold them built yet. It wasn't complete. Okay. Do they have a biodome? No, they in, didn't. The, in two, in the third one, in, in three, one? three they do. I know in three they do. Yeah, but well, in three they don't have because this is the production floor. You don't have to have like it's like the you know if you ever see uh, like you go to a zoo and the elephant exhibit is this like big rolling savanna thing with big moats, but the pin that the animals spend like the night in and all that stuff is like you know concrete walls and shit. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that you're supposed to understand that the, the the where they were making them, they didn't have like a big place for them to fly around in, and it was. You know, it wasn't yeah, you take them like to the habitat for... and then yeah, 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 yeah. So okay, yeah. Well, they don't ever go into like, hey, we have a, a biodome here. At least I don't think no. they do in this movie. Um, no. but let's let's set aside the science for a moment. The foolhardiness uh-huh. of of Richard Attenborough's character, uh, Hammond, yeah. 
is off the charts. I mean, this this man this is a man who is diluted to the point of insanity. Um, and Ian Malcolm points this out to him, just like this life finds a way attitude, and he he uses life finds a way as like this positive thing of like, well, right. we had sight B, right. and <laughs> and life finds a way, and now we have this great opportunity to observe and protect and build this ecosystem for them. And I'm like, you complete idiot. Do you not understand how life find how life found a way in the first movie to just totally fuck you? <laughs> life will find a way uh, again, and it'll probably be in the form of these pterodactyls of, of a T-Rex coming to San Diego. It's it, like this guy is so deluded. I couldn't even believe it. Oh, and then Hammond's son. Uh, oh, right. The, yeah. the play by the, like he takes the starting hubris of Hammond and then pegs it to eleven because he's the one that captures the T Rex and brings it back to San Diego and right. He and, hasn't learned even whatever meager lessons that Hammond Senior has learned. So no, no. And that's the thing is like I, I thought that was one of the curious aspects of the script: the fact that Ian Malcolm's position wasn't you've got this island of dinosaurs, we need to nuke strike it. We need to, like, that. we uh-huh. have to put an end to this. This is a threat to blah. It's more of, like, I, I, I felt like Ian was okay with a dinosaur island. He was, the foolhardy part was sending people there to, like, observe them. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing, right? We would have to go to the dinosaurs for it to threaten us. I, I I don't think legitimately dinosaurs are a threat to humanity, even if they came back in numbers. I don't that, either. Like, okay, a T-Rex get loose in San Diego, eats 15 people, and we shoot it to death. Yeah. Like, yeah, big deal. Pterodactyls fly in, and we have SAM sites take them out. Like, that's just, yeah. there's nothing if, they if can you drop- do. They don't- 40,000 T-Rexes in North America right now, it would be, I'm not saying it wouldn't be a fiasco and a disaster, (laughs) but it would not be an extinction event. I'm sorry. No, not even close. I'm sorry. Not even close. So, yeah, like, I don't buy that core premise that, like, oh, this is a huge danger. And maybe that, you know, lends a little credence to what Hammond's thinking. Like, okay, you know, these things might be dangerous and life might find a way, but what's it going to really do? As long as we keep it on that island. It's just the other thing is like um, I guess they they tried to defang some of this stuff. Like, what's Ian going to do? Go to the press? Go to the government? Say this guy's got a crazy dinosaur island? They'd already done a job, a good job of discrediting him, so he couldn't do that. But like, I felt like I, I felt like that they could have done more with just really playing into the horror that Ian Malcolm would feel about you know being put back in that position. Um, and they didn't. And then there's other so like. There's two ways this movie could have gone. You got Ian that's like really scared and traumatized and just wants his daughter and his girlfriend to be safe. And you also have the ironically detached, jokey Ian. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the movie tried to like split the difference on that. And Jeff Goldblum kind of like checked out of a lot of scenes and nothing of that really worked. Like a lot of his jokes were the ones that landed were funny, were kind of like inappropriate for the context and what he's talking about. And mm-hmm. the stuff that didn't was because Ian, Ma- like uh, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, yeah, uh, there's some. I, 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 will, I guess we can get in like specific criticisms, but I wrote down like some lines here that like really bothered me the way he uh, um, delivered them, like this one. Uh, 
Julian Moore is trying to explain that this T-Rex is just protecting its baby. Or I think it's someone, he's wanting them to, like, shoot the thing or tranquilize it. And they're like, oh, it's just trying to protect the baby. And he's like, so am I. But he says it just like I did just now. He's not like, (laughs) you know, like, you could take, like, a super ironic jokey or you could take it, like, deadly serious. Like, so am I. But you can't just, like, turn around and be like, so am I. And it's stuff like that where, or like when he's supposed to be running in terror. Like I think about, um, uh, gosh, Laura, who is the, the, Dern. the Laura Dern. Thank you. Laura Dern, the way she's running from the Velociraptors when she's turning on the power and she's like tr- clearly scared out of her mind. And like, it's in, and the way Jeff Goldblum is like shambling away from the Velociraptors. It's just like, like I said, he's just in, he's not injured. He's just can't yeah. be bothered to run. <laughs> and Steven Spielberg, greatest one of the greatest directors on the planet, cannot motivate him to like, okay, Jeff, there's a pack of five velociraptors on your ass. If you don't get to this door, you're going to be torn apart screaming alive. Can we get another cut? He's just like running like, uh, he's, he's concerned that the snack bar at the beach is about to close and he wants <laughs> one more Mai Tai. Not even that urgent. Did you get any of that? You know, they they say that uh, acting urgency skips a movie, so I'm sure in Jurassic Park 3, he'll be sharp as attack. Yes, I Maybe. know he's not in Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> but there's like that a, this one. Like, like I mean, that, of, like that was that... a good line to me. I, I, I do think he engages every once in a while, and yes, um, when you he's the insulting. Was, I, the script part was fine. I thought he did a bad job of delivering it. No, not about the baby stuff. Um, about the the when when he's talking to baby Hammond, um, yeah, and and he says, you know, I hear talent skips generations. So I'm sure your kids will be oh. sharp as attack. Yeah, yeah. That stuff was punchy, and the, and he delivered that well. And there are a couple yeah, of other did, uh, lines I liked from him. There there there's uh like when he said the the, the um, someone sent him on a wild goose chase. He goes, oh yeah, well we're at it's the only place that geese chase you. I thought that was good, but it's just like you know, it's a great line that like faster we must go faster. Mm-hmm. But if you delivered that as kind of like an irony, it's like, hey, guys, maybe we should go a little bit faster. Or if you just said, like, hey, we should go fast, it it, it, it didn't match the intensity. And I think maybe it was gotcha. an over-reliance of green screen and other stuff that there wasn't. Could be. You know, like Jeff Goldblum standing in front of a uh, animatronic T-Rex with a torch seemed terrified, seemed appropriately. Mm-hmm. Re- but Jeff Goldblum, like, trying to react to uh, uh, X and the amount of ra- raptors that aren't there, he struggled with. I I wonder if he's intentionally playing it like that because Ian Malcolm has seen this before. And yes, he's running for from for his life, but he's these are no longer unfamiliar monsters to him. They are slightly more familiar. Still monsters. Yeah, I I guess if they want to play him like Ripley and Aliens, right. he needs to be a little bit more coolly detached. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. is limping upon both of these opinions and I I think it's because a lot of it is the script is not got a lot of passion, and I think that yeah, maybe he rose the to the occasion, and the occasion just wasn't rise worthy. I I really think that's the thing. Like this movie is just not as well written as the first movie. Um, it feels it, it's a hell of a lot slower in the beginning. Like you get the you get the standard Jurassic Park open right. There's a right. dinosaur attack, and it it kicks off the movie. It shows you the danger that could exist. But then they go to this extended scene of Ian Malcolm going to Richard Attenborough, going to, going to Dr. Hammond, saying, look, uh, I, you called me out here. What do you want? Um, we find out that he's like uh, 
kind of blacklisted from all the scientific circles. And, and then they're going on about like whether or not this should even be done. And then when you were getting all this stuff in the first Jurassic Park, you were being introduced to an amazing world that you had never seen the likes of before. Yes. This time you've seen it before and and they're not even doing it in that world, right? They're not trying to present it in an interesting way. They're just in the dude's estate talking about the the people you haven't met yet, about like the economics of the company engine and the politics of the board and like a bunch of boring shit that nobody really cares about because Some Phantom Menace type shit, yeah. Yeah, because they haven't done anything interesting yet. So I I feel like the biggest mistake in this movie is just opening it where it opens the movie and giving us all that information as a gigantic info dump at the beginning of the film. The other thing they did, and I think they could have done a better job of this, is the core relationships in this movie don't work. Uh, the relationship between Ian and his daughter and Ian and his girlfriend. Um, Ian hmm. and his daughter. So in the first movie, they talk about, like, uh, are you married? He's like, oh, yeah, I love getting married. I'm always looking for a future Mrs. X, Malcolm Reynolds. Right. Uh, no. Yeah, Malcolm. <laughs> X, Ian, Malcolm, Malcolm, yeah. Yeah, Ian, Malcolm, not Malcolm. Uh, <laughs> no, and I'm like, that's the... so that's a great line. And it shows that, like, this guy's probably hell on wheels and a lot of fun in the initial stages of the relationship, right? Sure. Like, he's charming, he's good looking, he's Jeff Goldblum, he's funny, he's smart. Um, but things fall apart when he loses interest. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a good job of telling, like, like, there's a scene where, you know, he, he meets his daughter for the first time, well, not for the first time, but for the, our first time. Mm-hmm. And he is just completely because he's distracted because of the Jurassic Park thing. Um, but she doesn't act like this is out of character for him. She's like, that's your problem. You lo- you, you're all about kids and having them, but you don't want to be around them. And he snaps at her and kind of puts her down. And he's a shitty father. OK, that's fine. I think about the work that they did with Dr. Grant, uh, where mm-hmm. they gave him so many move- uh, moments with those kids where he went from being annoyed with them to like tolerating them, to actually liking them, and yeah. them liking him, and they cuddle with them, and and that's they like didn't the punch, that with the 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 climax of the film, right? That's the yeah, yeah. And they didn't do any of that with Ian. Ian's like fed up with this girl until <laughs> she does gymnastics, <laughs> and he's like, Jesus. "Wow, you're pretty good at gymnastics." That was their character arc, mm-hmm. and, and, and they could have done more with him and his girlfriend too. I, I feel like there was. There's this tension, right? Because like she is her own person with her own agency. He is also the same. And he doesn't want her doing this thing. She wants to do it. He sees the danger because he's been in it before. She thinks she knows the danger because she's been around predators before. Sure. There's this like compromise that they inevitably will have to reach, right? Because mm-hmm. he can go there and he can say, like, I wanna I, I wanna get you out of this situation that I think is bad. And she can mm-hmm. say, nah, I'm good, right. and then what does he do? The only thing he can do is stick around and protect her, and I feel like they never yeah, actually kind of get to that in, no. in the movie, right? The, the action has already kicked off and forced them into some kind of cooperation before they ever reach like an emotional compromise here, and, yeah. and I didn't like that. No, and I think that like, all the parts are there. It's like he's got a strange relationship with his daughter. He's got an estranged relationship with his girlfriend. Like, what if the movie was them coming together as kind of like a ragtag uh, family unit? Sure. You know, where they are now mutually supportive, respectful of each other, trust each other. The movie has no interest in that because it's nope. trying to zip from, from plot to plot and set piece to set piece. It doesn't have time for it. 
And you know, like, I understand. is the daughter even seen once they get off the island, or she just dis a fucking pier? <laughs> I think she disappears. The whole, yeah. the whole last 30, 40 minutes of the movie is Jeff Goldblum running around in a drop top with a baby T Rex and Juliana Moore. Yeah, so it's and like T Rex kicking uh, Philip seventy six globes down the street. Yeah. But that's the that's the problem with the movies. Like they like oh the first movie had kids, got to have kids. The first movie had the kids like kind of triumphant. You know we need a scene where the girl the girls looking up's like gymnastics. I know this <laughs> and is able to do a routine. <laughs> like we got is it that ah it, it, and uh-huh. it felt like the reason this happened is because everyone felt like it had to. It wasn't a passion project. It wasn't a, a yeah. creative exercise. It was the people want more. Let's give them more. And the only thing that sets this apart from many, many cash in sequels of the 80s and 90s is that for some reason they got Steven Spielberg and Michael Crichton both to come back and participate. Yeah. Do we want to get that John that? Williams music? And they it got it the does, John Williams. It, aesthetically, it has the feel of Jurassic Park, right? But the heart yeah. of Jurassic Park is completely missing. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the script, the 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 screenplay adaptation process? Because I thought okay. this stuff was really interesting. Yeah. So so one of the things I thought is so they they Steven Spielberg says, okay, I'm not gonna do this unless Michael Crichton writes. That would be disrespectful. Steven Spielberg starts production and script writing before Crichton's even done, and when he gets mm-hmm. the book. <laughs> Not only does he essentially throw it over his shoulder, but he tells the scriptwriters, like, look, I don't even think you need to read the book. I want you to watch this 1920s Lost World black and white thing that's really important to me as a boy. Mm-hmm. And he also had this core idea that the first Jurassic Park was about carnosaurs versus herbivores. Uh, veg- yeah. herbivores. yeah, vegetarian. Vegisauruses versus metasauruses. <laughs> right. And he's like, you know what would be interesting? You know, uh, w- 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 what if we had, you know, ancient humans were like hunter gatherers. What if we took that dichotomy and we had gatherers versus hunters, which forced the whole yeah. Rambo commando kind of team tension into it. And, and that's I why thought, you lose the heart of the family dynamic you could have had, right? Right. They're going for something he, higher level, which doesn't work out in my opinion. He He wanted like, like, Republic cinema style uh, dinosaur fights mm-hmm. and he wanted some kind of like high not it's not even high concept low concept uh, like 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 it, it's a it's the bat it, it's a, the, the kind of idea you get at three o'clock in the morning you write it down you wake up the morning hunter gathers hunter slash gathers hunter versus gathers is it something maybe but like it felt very forced and mm-hmm. did crowd out all the other things that you know Spielberg is so good at like those personal yeah. relationships like et's not cool because et is a particularly good animatronic though he is it's good because you really buy the relationship between elliot and the animatronic and mm-hmm. his mom and his sister and and uh, you could have done this meta thing about like oh how does humanity accept aliens or the other right and he could have done all these big you know, high-minded things, but you could also just make the film he made and it would be hugely successful and beloved for generations. Like, yeah, yeah, I, you're right. This movie, it loses all of of what made Jurassic Park 1 so great. And, and a lot of it comes down to this writing process where, like, the one thing I guess I, I agree with that he did right is without that last, the third act um, with, the T-Rex rampaging through San Diego. It's not nearly 
as fun of a movie. I, I think the third act is some of the most fun in the movie. Um, and the rest of it is kind of pretty flat. Uh, and T, uh, Spielberg was the guy who was like, no, we got to have this in here. Cause originally the script didn't have it. And mm, he was like, well, it's, it's just too fun not to do let's, let's get it in there. And maybe that's why, you know, it doesn't quite hang together with the rest of the movie. And it feels very separate from the rest of the movie and it doesn't have mm-hmm. the daughter. Uh, it doesn't have, mm-hmm. you, you know, a lot of stuff that you go, Hmm, maybe it should have had that, but it does. It is fun. It is fun. It is to the extent that I almost feel like that should have been the movie, the attempt to revive. Cause like the thing is, is like from a, from a dollars and cents point of view, I kept on thinking Hammond Jr. had it right on. Like it's such a re- ridiculous idea to, Dude. we talked about yes. that. Like you're going to set up an Island park in Costa Rica and like it's going to be $3,000 to get a family of three there. And then you mm-hmm. got to, you know, it's like it's going to be so expensive. What is your, your ultra wealthy market for people to want to see dinosaurs? <laughs> hey, man, Disney's trying this right now with something far less attractive than dinosaurs. Star, <laughs> Their yeah, Star, Star, Wars. Star Wars experience oh, God. stuff costs yeah. thousands of dollars. Six thousands for two people to go. Uh, right no i, so I maybe I, there, yeah. there maybe there is a market but you're right like the cost effect but you can you, that's in orlando can... it's not in a fucking <laughs> island that you have to pay three thousand dollars to get to right which which is double crazy right um yeah so like yeah bringing right, this though. yeah bring them to the here. mainland make it like sea and World. yeah and i think that's easier far far easier to control you have all the mainland resources there at your disposal you have right. it, you can much like a zoo right keep them in their pens far easier um yeah there's it, not it, hurricanes if, hitting it constantly right maybe maybe use that island as like your your starter island uh yeah, like you would for floor. for some sourdough bread or something and mm-hmm, you just peel mm-hmm. off a few dinosaurs you bring them <laughs> to san diego maybe you rotate out your stock every once in a sure, while so it doesn't sure. get stale keep them in a gallon ziploc bag turn you know <laughs> lay, it, <laughs> lay it lay it on the counter let it ferment and rise right, put them in the oven for an hour you're done yeah done yeah <laughs> No, I mean, this is the, these are the, like, I, I keep on going down looking at my notes and like, there's all the micro and macro issues are the same. Like, uh, you know, what was really cool when we had this badass safari guy that, you know, grabbed a shotgun and a hat and his, his, his socks pulled up way too high on his knees and kicked ass. So we're going to get an even bigger, badder ass safari yeah. guy. But it kind of like, at one point, like I was watching... This guy who had broken the baby T-Rex's leg and staked it out just so it can scream for his mom and dad. And I'm like, this just feels kind of ugly and cruel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in the, a way that the other movie Muldoon didn't. Muldoon like, never felt like that. Muldoon felt like he cared both about the dinosaurs and the people who were running the park. Yeah, and it almost like, the only reason I'm doing this is because the asshole they'll get, if I turn him down, will be worse. Yep. You know? He wasn't like, a big game hunter out there to get himself off. Yeah. No. No, and I didn't like, I felt like some of these decisions, like, where it's like, well, let's just make it bigger or bad or invert the, you know, the morality involved. It just made it, the movie, feel dumber and and, and uglier. hmm And it feels lazy, too. It's just like, especially considering this was the most lucrative uh, screenplay contract ever at the time. Ever. D- David Copcap, whatever his name is, David Popcap got two million, one point five to $2 million to come up with this. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've certainly seen worse. I've seen much, much worse, but I've certainly seen better, and I've seen better in the franchise after only one sequel. So 
Yeah, 1.5 million for screening, writing this out seems pretty. And he had a year to do it, over a year to write this thing, yeah. start to finish, after they brainstormed for a year. Like, yeah. how? That's wild to me. That I wanted to, right. so I didn't get a ton of time to as look into this as because I once I got into uh the the hows and whys of the script I spent a lot of time but did mm-hmm. did you see like some of the any more details about like why did Spielberg throw out so much of the Crichton novel like if no. he was so adamant about not doing it without his blessing and support um. I mean, so I, I, I found that it was interesting is like Michael Crichton didn't even see the script until he like said someone uh, had a, a, a merchant merchandising idea he had to sign off of. And he's like, what the fuck is this? And they finally sent him a script mm-hmm. like I did. They have a falling out. Uh, did Stephen get like a, a early release of the book? And it's like, well, this is way too egghead and, you know, not enough. At, like this is just I this is unfilmable. I, I don't I don't get it. I do know that this was made around the time that DreamWorks was becoming uh, an actual company, a uh, production studio. So I know that Spielberg Spielberg might have been a little checked out on this because he just didn't have the time to deal with it, trying to get that studio off the ground. Yeah. Because um, I, I don't think of Spielberg as a guy who doesn't put passion into his movies. Yeah. What else do we want to... I guess I, there's a whole bunch of stuff I like about this movie. Do you want to talk about some uh-huh. things that we like? Yeah, I'll start with one I didn't really expect to like. Uh, okay. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn is totally fine and good, and even sometimes actually good in this mm-hmm. movie. And I, that one, that's the one character that made sense. Like, yeah. and it's kind of like made Hammond seem smart that he's got this guy who seems like a Greenpeace, uh, Peace Corps type hippie. And he's just there, like you know, he just like likes filming war zones and crazy tints. And but he's also their sleeper agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if uh, you know that his 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 son tries to take over Engine in a hostile way, he's there to fuck shit up because mm-hmm. he's got that side of the activist. And it's like, yeah, you know, when he brings they out those bolt cutters, it's like I'm Plan B. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm like that's like fuck B. yeah, that's actually cool. And uh-huh. the dinosaurs rampaging through the hunter camp, I thought that was really good. That's one of the I set pieces this- I love. Yeah. Might be the first thing I ever saw Vince Vaughn in, uh, and yeah. I remember I, I thought I thought he was cool. Now it turns out this is Vince Vaughn, this is uh-huh. his gear, um, but it suits it's like hand and glove this this role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like uh, him. Um, there's there's a lot of really funny like I thought Jeff Goldblum is so close to being great in this. Like there's that great scene where they transition from the beach where the little girls getting eaten up. <laughs> <laughs> to him standing in front of that thing and he's kind of like yawning like oh this is passe and that's such like an all-time great transition i it really is. like that mm-hmm. um he's got a lot of great great quips uh like you know the, you know the hammond's so proud about all the care he's taken he's like you know i'm not making i'm I'm not making the same mistakes this time and he's like yeah you're making you're making all new ones and uh-huh. you've gone from capitalist to naturalist in four years i thought that stuff was was really good it is uh and Julianne Moore as always is excellent. Uh she's she's playing a character who I think is at times written poorly. Like especially the part that stands out to me is when she is uh after they've done the thing with the baby where they've taken it to the bus and it's been pushed off the edge and all that stuff. And then they realize um that the T-Rex is still hunting them and they start running away 
Uh, she's covered in blood from the baby T-Rex, and she doesn't think a second thought about it. Like, oh, maybe the T-Rex can smell this blood. Maybe I should ditch this vest. That was like right. the one inconsistency with that character. But otherwise, I like the character. Like I said, I, I, I felt like she had agency in her life, which is more than you can say for a lot of female characters in the 90s. Um, she she was living her best life, and Jeff Goldblum, yes, she cared for him, but he's not going to stop her doing that. I did think that, to throw in a little bit of an egg with the positive, I did think <laughs> that she spoke in paragraphs. Like, she felt like Timmy uh-huh. from the first movie, where she's just bouncing up and just like, I'm going to disgorge all these facts about Stegosaurus right at the audience. And when you first another... meet her, certainly. But, but, I, but that felt to me like when they first see the Triceratops. Um, and, oh, and, and they're trying and to ape. The two the, doctors the two are just doctors like, like, like they're, yeah, they're just yeah. so excited, right? They're excited about the things they're seeing. And she was the same here because she's but that's, that's two people and... that know what the fuck they're talking about. And it made her feel like she's on the spectrum when she's just blurting out all this word <laughs> diary about predators and prey. And it's like uh-huh. maybe Ian is listened to, but like and no one here is got the core competency. To, so it made her feel like. And there's the other thing. The other guy is like, there's this other paleontologist that's on the hunter team. He's got the same problem. He's just there to deliver cool dinosaur facts. Oh, is this the hippie looking dude? Yeah, the dude in the ba- yeah. the, the cowboy hat. And yeah, he's just there right. to tell us things about dinosaurs that will set up a set piece later, you mm-hmm. know? And I felt like but all that stuff, it felt like they almost turned to the camera and like Bill Nye, the science guy style tell you about what like 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 education and it brought me out of it every single time gotcha and i also i don't julianne moore is not my favorite actor huh yeah okay. i know I really we, we like almost her. have this conversation every single time we, we yeah. cover a show that has her in it <laughs> or cover something because like the, i remember magnolia stands out as like oh my god this this actually has changed but boogie nights is another one um, but here it's like, but this is, this is just a kind of mediocre script. <laughs> Believe it or not. I actually really like her in the movie. Don John. Is that, is that the name of it? Don Juan? The, no, no, no. It's, um, it's, uh, it's fucking, who's the guy from third rock. That's gone to be a huge movie star. John Lithgow. No, no younger, younger French Stewart. No. <laughs> Huge movie star. I oh, said. Jordan. Uh, uh, Gordon Joseph Levitt. Gordon Levitt. Yes. Joseph, yeah. French Stewart. Get out of here with I'm that. I'm going to go through every single fucking person. But the girl from Austin Powers? Uh. No, it's got Joseph Gordon Levitt in it. And he, it's Scarlett Johansson and him. And he's like this bro from New Jersey. He's like a Jersey Shore guy. And mm. eventually he finds love with Julianne Moore. It's, it's a good movie. I like it. I really like some of the action sequences. For example, uh, the hunter's equipment with the little side extending pods that let them like get free range with the you rifles. You like this stuff? This Man, is the I... merchandising thing they had to clear yes. with Michael Crichton, right? They were like, we've got these cool ideas for cars. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me with these? You're an inflatable I... dino grabber? I don't think so, Spielberg. I think it's cool. And I'm like, if I, if, I remember watching this in the movie. It's like, have you ever like... I remember this a lot when I was like 13, 14, 15, because I still was attracted to toys, but I was like, I recognized it. But every once in a while, you'd see a toy and like, God damn, it's so fucking cool. Why didn't I have that when I was a kid and I could appreciate it? Sure. Toys sure. are always getting better and better and better. It would be cool. Um, if I if I were a 10-year-old and this they released Jurassic Park 2, excuse me, Lost World Jurassic Park uh, vehicles, yeah, these would be cool. Yeah, no, they and they, they I felt like they were clever 
ways to how you would capture, like on a mechanical industrial scale, how would you capture these dinosaurs? You know, without hurting them, because you can't just like you know right. blow them up with a rocket launcher. It does um, feel yes, like they did look like Saturday them, morning cartoons, but sedating them would probably be preferable. But I don't know. Dino grabbers, dino grabbers, inflatable <laughs> dino grabbers. Uh, what did? Let's talk about the two T Rex, one RV scene. Okay. Because that is like the best of Jurassic Park or Lost World Jurassic Park and the worst all it is. simultaneously. It's overstuffed. Like this might mm-hmm. be 15, 20 minutes of the movie. It just keeps going on and on and on. It yeah. has one of the best character moments. Like that Eddie guy is a brave motherfucker. Oh, the he, one that drives the Jeep. Yeah. And and like it's another thing where it felt like mean spirited and cruel because the people that got ate by dinosaurs in the first movie, at least the really graphic ones, were kind of asshole dickbag characters, like the lawyer Gennaro that cared more about money than people. And well, he reminds me so much of him. I I don't know why. I think when I saw this the first time, I thought he was a lawyer because of how similar just their aesthetic is. Yeah, he's although he's wearing frumpier clothes, that's the only difference. But this guy, for no reason, like. Other than being a bro and a good yeah. human, sacrifices himself to give those people, those, those idiots in the RV, a chance to live. And I found that that was pretty compelling. And mm-hmm. I couldn't, like, I'd forgotten how badly he dies. Like, the two T Rexes essentially treat him like a, a, a wishbone and, and pull him apart. And I love the tension building they do here. You know, bringing that dinosaur back is like, kind of the right thing to do it's an animal in distress it's hilariously it's, stupid like like and that's yeah. the thing right you know how yeah. stupid it is when they're doing yeah. it uh-huh but also you understand why they're doing it i think um it's just like boy set up a field hospital maybe out near the the t-rex's nest because you don't want to bring this back to hq uh i, I love but, how yeah it go- it's good i love how it goes vertical you know how like uh, uh-huh. it's an interesting set because now it's like something they got to climb out of. Julia and Amor can fall, and there's the spider web cracking. And uh, I actually and think it's even. Ugh. Oh, what are you doing, Sarah? What are you doing? Like getting up on your <laughs> your hands and knees, reducing the points of contact here. Yeah, exactly. Just Putting killed the pressure. Me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that, and, and it, this is dumb, and like I think this is something you're going to talk about from a physics perspective. Yes. But when the whole shebang kind of like falls, and they're like in the central, I thought that was a pretty well executed effect. It's a cool idea. The effect looks good enough. It's just the concept here of like yeah. a, a a train of buses that is kind of just like pulling itself down over a cliff. Yeah. It it wouldn't go straight vertical you wouldn't drop through that what you would have is a lot of momentum coming and slamming the other side of the bus into the people on this rope dragging them down with it yeah the the horizontal movement of the buses sliding to the cliff would translate on the last one and it would go flying and just take them with it yeah (laughs) right and i've always had a problem with this scene but it Uh is kind of the rule of cool too because it is very cool yeah but I gotta say, like as as cool as the the set piece was, and they they do so much with it too. Like they got the whole platform, and the and the daughter wants to get high, which is a hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like I when I was nineteen, I was pure as the white driven snow. I didn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't even snicker, didn't even know. But the girl saying like I just want to get high, <laughs> that, that why 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 would she want to get why would she want to get up in that exposed thing? It's raining. 
She has no rain. She is wearing short shorts and a cutoff, uh, like yeah. like like tank top. Why? There's I, I it's it's only to separate the party and to add another vertical element to the set piece. It doesn't make any character sense. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, the dinosaurs can't reach them there, so it is safety relative until you know the dinosaur knocks over the tree that you're anchored to, right. and then you fall to your death hundreds of feet. One of my favorite parts about the original Jurassic Park book is at the end, uh, Hammond is still smug and thinks that, you know, if, if he, he, can, he can do this right and he can recover, and he's walking around the office building of Jurassic Park and these compies, however, because there's a really long name, um, like, like, like just like they're following him, and he's not really threatened, and, you know, they nip at him, and it's essentially this exact same death that they give Peter Stormare. And I thought that was like one of the more horrifying deaths in the original Jurassic Park. And I'm, I'm glad they got it. They got it into one of the films because I thought the way that worked where it's like the overconfidence, like, okay, well this is inconvenient, but it's like, it's not going to kill me. And then it's like, Oh, cause the, the, in the book, they explicitly say that they, that there's like a, a, a slight venom that okay. kind of affects they, your nerves. And I don't felt do like a good job. They needed to set that up because I was thinking how many copies could I take? Uh, can I take 50 of these things? Could I tank? Yeah. Like, as long as you keep them away from your vital, uh, bits, like your, your right. neck, you, you, essentially like, unless they get into a vein, like a deep, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. fucking pocket of your veins there, you're going to be okay. I think they did a good you. job. I think Peter Stormare did a good job acting it because like he wasn't he wounded enough to be staggering like that, but I felt like they could have done a little bit more. Yeah, the trouble is when I'm watching that, I'm thinking, boy, this movie is not smart enough to yeah to to realize that he shouldn't be staggering here. This this movie you know, is just wild. having him fall for the sake of falling. It's wild because I never. I, I'm just now realizing I've never looked at it from the other side because I knew that happened in the book and like when the it happened to the little girl, I'm like, oh fuck yeah. And then it was ha I never thought like, oh, he's not really selling the fact that they're venomous and it's it's uh -huh. slowing down his reaction time and making him sluggish and. Like it was just real, but like yeah, it I guess they don't. They don't. They don't without his inner monologue of like yeah, and yeah, maybe he could have done a better job of like you know, but yeah, I mean you could have done it in like some bit about that opening scene, right? Just have a report come back about that attack from the opening scene, and that's why yeah. you set something like that up so you can do that. And, and that was the cool the thing. Threat, that the original book but... is no one knew the compies were venomous. Because why would they? They were just resurrecting these things, putting frog DNA, and they weren't like sure. volunteering things to get bit. They were just feeding them dead meat. No one knew that they were venomous. So yeah, you could have had a little, you know, background detail about, uh, like Hammond's, you know, being like we. I, I don't know. You could have. And the thing is, is like, I was watching this thing, and I'm like, this is guys the master at telling us six different things with one scene, right? Right. And in this movie, everything felt like it was just not connected at all like everything that was being told was a thing so how and that's yeah, what's so maddening happen? about those opening scenes with mm -hmm. you know the discussion of the politics and the economic state of like it's doing a lot of stuff but it's a lot of boring stuff and it's not told in a very engaging way whereas you look at the yeah. first jurassic park the scene that sets that whole movie off is just a master class in efficient writing efficient storytelling it tells you mm -hmm. everything you need to know about every character involved uh, and like 
just the threat of dinosaurs at the same time, like it sets up all the threats. It's it's a masterclass just watching that one scene. And then you get yeah. to this and it's like a snooze fest. Mm -hmm. But he just, I thought he, you know, it's still the Spielberg touch of like selling you on the horror. In fact, I actually thought that we, my memory was we saw Peter Stormare essentially getting eaten alive. Oh. Uh, but we don't, we he falls the behind the thing. And then the blood, that's a, that's a nice, you know, uh, uh, Spielberg touch. Yeah, they do that a couple times. This movie, one behind the waterfall. Yeah, I also didn't think like when the guy who was responsible for Peter Stormare getting killed because he can't stop listening to his music, he gets crushed by a T Rex, but he doesn't. He gets mm -hmm. like stuck to the bottom of the T Rex's shoe. I thought that was really dumb. Like it's horrific enough to get stepped mm -hmm. on by a giant lizard. Like mm -hmm. it's almost like plays for a comedy that this guy's just stuck to and like how is he stuck to the bottom of this thing's foot yeah i kind of love it but you're right Dude, okay you love it okay well there you go i think it's hilarious um and maybe that's just me like loving that morbid stuff but uh, another shot that i really love which is soon after that i think is the long grass scene just it's, it's not mm. even that you get to see very much of it right um mm -hmm. but you get this overhead shot of these people walking through in a single file through this tall grass and then all the velociraptors converging from every angle on them. That is such a great shot. It's like Minority Port where uh, Tom Cruise is hiding in the bathtub and all those drones are coming in on the overhead <laughs> apartment. Sure. Yeah. Another, another Spielberg touch. Um, yeah, that was cool. And I, 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 the, I got a bunch more criticism, but then we get to the next thing that I like is the San Diego. I like a lot of stuff in San Diego. I thought the kids, the dog... Uh, mm -hmm. and him getting the parents. I think it's, it's a little bit much. I thought they could have dialed back the parents being shitty a little bit. Uh, but the scene of the T-Rex with the, <laughs> with the, the doghouse hanging out of his mouth reminded mm -hmm. me a lot of like the goat from the first movie. Sure. Uh, it's horrifying, but in a kind of a funny, you know, Tim Burton kind of way, not, it didn't come across as mean spirited, even though it's the death, the death of a dog. Um, some of Jeff Goldblum's, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think they do, along the lines of callbacks, I think they do a great job transitioning from that hilarious San Diego stuff where the T-Rex is rampaging. Uh, transitioning into it is like, they're going from the serious part of the movie into the fun part of the movie, and they have this callback where uh, they the boat crashes in to mm -hmm. the, the docks, they mm -hmm. go on the boat, they they start to get the situation under control, and they see the hand hanging from the wheel, which is like a callback to Sam Jackson's arm falling onto Laura Dern's right. shoulder in that yeah. first movie. And and it's kind of like a small chuckle if you realize that. And then it kicks off into like something funnier. I do wonder how the hell that arm got on that boat in that on that yeah. wheel. Well, I mean, and the arm holding the button. There's a lot of rigam instant rigamortis going on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, that boathouse was not that big. The T-Rex got out, rampaged, killed everyone on board, or True. threw them overboard, and ate the captain's hand right off the wheel. Got his, got his nose, just, 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 get, just got his little teeth and just got enough in there, and all left was his hand. And uh -huh. I, I kept on thinking, like, well, maybe the boat's also full of T-Rex or Velociraptors. It's got more than just, but no, it was no. just the T-Rex. Baby T-Rex? Maybe the baby got him. Oh, maybe the baby did get him, I guess. Just got him by the arm, and then... I, don't I know. did, okay. Where are we at with the Japanese businessman? I love it. Running? The Godzilla reference, I love it. I, I think it's specific enough. Yeah. And all... Because, like, that's the thing. It's like, if I was in Japan, 
as an American, and I saw, for whatever reason, a 40-foot ape coming down the road, I'd probably say something like, Jesus Christ, it's King Kong, run. Uh-huh. <laughs> and these guys that are just there trying to go, you know, they, they've had a long business day, they're business travelers, they're probably out drinking, they stumble out of the restaurant, they're a little buzzed, and they see this enormous lizard. Totally, I, I don't know, man. Like, I think that's specific enough that it's not actually... I, I, I'm, I'm not an Asian American. I, I don't know where where you, but I I still think it's really fucking funny. Yeah, I I think it's a reference made out of love. These guys probably love those old monster movies and stuff. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, I also love uh, this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit more. But when they when they get the baby, they steal it from the the park, and mm-hmm. they put it in the car, and they run it over the boat, and then they grab it up. T Rex is chasing them. And you've got this, you got Baby Hammond out there, like, kind of following him, kind of like trying to find, trying to recover some of his lost assets, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they, and he's following them onto the boat, but they run onto the boat, they drop the t- baby T Rex off, and they just jump overboard. Mm-hmm. And I love that moment. And he's, he's just like, kind of walking around looking for, hmm, can I salvage anything out of this? It's really funny. I also think there's some really good, good Jeff Goldblum in this, like uh, when he's going over the plane with Juliana Moore, and he's like, "Aren't you worried that when he sees this again, it's gonna with his baby, he's gonna be like you? There'll be some angry recognition there." I thought that's just the way it's very delivered, very Goldblumy. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think the end of Ham and Son is the perfect way for one of these villains to die. Um, the dinosaur yep. kills him, but not because he's cruel, just because it's an animal. Like this is, uh, he, he, he gimps him so that he can't get away and he's teaching it's, it, it this, this T-Rex is teaching its baby how to hunt and it's really cruel and, 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 uh, uh, disgusting from a human point of view from, from the animal point of view, they're just doing what animals do. And this guy's own fucking mm-hmm. hubris is what did him in. Yeah. I like, totally. I like that. I like lawyers getting, you know, greedy uh, um, uh, lawyers getting eaten off of toilets. I don't like heroic dudes getting torn in half for no good reason. Um, but I, this, this is one of the good kills. Um, and another fun part of that is the, the swimming pool scene that, you know, we mentioned briefly. I, I had some questions about it, though, because they make a point like, okay, uh, T-Rex is going to be dehydrated. He's going to go try and satiate that desire first for water. Yeah. And then yeah. who knows what he's going to do next? What's he going to be looking for next? Um, does a T-Rex drink chlorinated, like heavily chlorinated pool water, or, or is it any more, does it drink it more readily than it drinks ocean water, salty water? I don't think it would drink ocean water, because most right. animals don't, that are not mm-hmm. like from that. Um, would it drink heavily chlorinated yeah, water? Yeah, see, so like I've seen dogs drink out of pools, but it's usually like lap lap, and they don't sit there and like slake their thirst, because I think an animal can tell, like there's something weird in this water. Yeah, unless unless they was dying of thirst, but I wondered that too. Like, yeah, I don't know. It smell funny. It smell off. It probably taste off. Yeah, I would think so. But maybe you uh, can. Maybe you can drink pool water. It's not lethal. I don't think it's uh, lethal. Maybe so. I've I, swallowed I a mouthful wouldn't. or two in my day. But like, I uh-huh. could you like if you would you just drink like a sixteen ounce glass? Is that? Yeah, I don't know. I absolutely would not drink a sixteen ounce glass of pool water. <laughs> no thank you because it's at least one ounce of pee right at least at least in my pool it's more <laughs> um i mean do we so i want to say something about the set pieces 
because there's something that Spielberg does in Indiana Jones that's funny. Where Indiana, one of the charms of Indiana Jones is he's not really an action hero. He's just a dude that's like barely getting by the skin of his teeth. He's barely surviving these scrapes. A lot of times at the end of a set piece, he's like plastered on the ground and someone has to peel him off and like, come on in. And he's kind of disoriented. And he, and there's a lot of like, um, you know, like sight gags. Like, you know, he backs up to a wall that turns around and now his dad's left. And it's like just a slapstick quality to it. Mm-hmm. I don't. I never described any of the action in like Jurassic Park as slapstick. There's a shitload of slapstick action here. Some of it worked like Jeff Goldblum goes to try to put a door between him and, and a Velociraptor and he ignores a giant picture window that the Velociraptor just crashes through and then he goes through the other side of the door. But like there's a thing where mm-hmm. Julianne Moore falls through a superstructure like a human plachinko ball. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and that was right on top of the daughter doing gymnastics for no fucking reason at all. Yep. And I just like for the five minute stretch there, I'm watching a movie. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It was, and there's even a delay. It's, it's, it almost seems intentionally filmed as slapstick, right? It's not even mm-hmm. that, Oh, she, we, we just want her to fall down this thing and, and recover from it. But like, there's a delay, like she lands on that light and there's a second right. where the movie right. goes, Let's you register that, and then it falls, right? right? And and then she tumbles through the glass yep. right into the arms of Jeff Goldblum, who why? Yeah, it's like again that that works yeah, for Indiana it, Jones because it, it is kind of it can. I just felt like it all that stuff was out of place and too much right on top of of each other. Um, oh yeah, I mean the gymnastic stuff ruins that scene. It, it's that's one of those things that is emblazoned in my memory that I will never forget that scene. And when I think of Jurassic Park, the Lost World, Jurassic Park, I I think of that scene. Yeah, and not also, not in like a very fond way either. And and none of the dra- none of the Velociraptors felt fe- felt real in that scene. Um, like they're slamming into like I, I didn't buy like one of them slams into a door and almost crushes Jeff Goldblum, but it didn't feel real. There's one that like they they he jumps on top of Juliana Moore and tears her backpack off, and she just gets away. And I'm like, I get it, it's the lucky pack. But I don't think a Velociraptor jumps on you from eight foot in the air and lands on your back and knocks you to the ground. You're dead. You're dead. Maybe. How, like, how do you heavy see are the, they? Do you see the claws? You're stand, he's standing uh, on her ass with the claws and biting her with her hand, and she's able to get away somehow. Like, yeah. I just don't. I just don't know. No, she needed one of those big ass mountain climb, like the hiking packs that are. You know, basically the entire length of your torso. Or then have maybe... her just bite the pack and, like, thrash with it and, like, fling her that. But, like, mm-hmm. a, a thing jumping on top. <laughs> like, what do those things weigh? Like, 100, 150 pounds? I don't know. I don't it's know. a lot of weight. A lot of weight, a lot of claws. Uh, Yeah, I, I don't know. I think those scenes scenes are fun. Um, You know, we essentially have a, a coked-up T-Rex running through San Diego. Like, they make that point, right? Like... They they sedated it and then they were like shit. This thing isn't waking up, so let's just give it whatever yeah. drugs we have. They, they took it the to Charlie Sheen's house and gave it cocaine and then let it loose in San Diego. And it feels like you you have a coked up T Rex on the loose and it's kicking Philip seventy six balls down the street. Uh, their mm. their signage is that is that still a thing on the West Coast? It's been damn near thirty years since I've spent significant time in San Diego. I can't remember the last time because it's not here. Philip seventy six, and it's not here in the Midwest. It might still be mm-hmm. a thing out on Route seventy six or something, but uh, 
anyway, yeah, there, there's another thing um, that I'm not, I wasn't really feeling. And it's the, the Pete Postlethwaite's character, Roland. Yeah. He's got a relationship with some character named RJ. And I can't even describe to you what this guy looks like because I don't think I know. I don't think the movie told me who RJ was or didn't care enough to to tell me what their relationship was or why he would care when RJ eventually is killed. Why do I... A, why do I care that a character I've never even really met is dead? And B, why do I care that the big game hunter asshole lost a friend? Yeah, and especially since like there's a one part in a movie where the big game asshole Hammond and Malcolm are kind of moving as one team and like almost like they 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 have a mutual respect for each other and I didn't buy that. I think that guy is like um this game hunter's caddy. Okay. Right? Like, you know, c- keeps all of his sure. guns, maintains all of his equipment and says, "Eh, it's 300 yards of range. You 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 might want to use your elephant gun." "Oh no, I'll use the long gun." Yeah, it's, it's I think it's <laughs> that, but you're right. That relationship is really underwritten. Completely. I didn't even know who that character was. When they said like RJ's dead, I'm like, "Who the fuck is RJ?" Yeah. I sh- I shouldn't be. Like I I did I never heard a name in Jurassic Park uh the original and went, "Who the fuck is that character?" Let me ask you something else. They postulate that there is this venom from a South Sea cone shell uh, uh, snail that works so fast, it works, it kills you faster than your nerve conduction velocity, so that you're dead or slash unconscious before you feel the impact of the needle hitting you. That cannot be true. Literally that cannot be true. Because I'm like, well, if it's not transmitted via the nervous system, mm-hmm. and it's that's way faster than the bloodstream. Oh yeah. How the fuck is nanites? Does this thing use nanites? Like it's a cell. Like what? How can it possibly affect your central nervous system faster than your circulatory system and your nerve induction? That just seems like uh, a badass thing to say that makes no sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. They left science at the door on that one too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. I think that all the Jurassic Park movies are on HBO right now. Um, yeah, I think so. This one was for, and I, uh, I remember being bitterly disappointed in this movie because I was expecting at least something like the book, and not only was it you know worse than the book and not kind of anything like the book, but it was just kind of like a dull, overly long movie. It's it's not that long. It's like a two hour movie, but it feels it feels long. It feels mm-hmm. like a 90-minute movie stretched out to two hours. I, 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 and I know Sheldon's he's, he's off on from, from here on forward. I remember the Jurassic Park 3 actually is better, liking it much more than Jurassic, this, this Lost World. Do you, do, do you have similar recollections? Um, watching this movie again, which might only be like the third, third time I've seen this movie, I... I don't know, I've seen it far less times than uh, I've seen Jurassic Park. I, I realized while watching it again this time that I am confusing a lot of what happened in 3 with what happened in 2, and mm. that most of what I thought happened in 2, or sorry, in 3 was actually in 2, and that I don't remember basically any of 3. I know that um, Sam Neill is back in 3, yep. and Ian Malcolm is not. Right. Um, sorry, Jeff Goldblum is not. But but other than that, like 
I, I thought I remembered like the high hide stuff happening with with Doctor Grant instead of mm. Ian Malcolm, but apparently that's not this, true. There's a big river set piece that was originally intended for Jurassic Park One that they just booted into that one. There's the big uh, pterodactyl dome sequence with the guy getting snatched off the bridge. Right. I, I think I've uh, seen that movie one time. I just remember the the. I think I've seen it once, maybe twice too. But I remember liking it a lot more than Jurassic Park Two. I huh, wonder okay. if I would still feel the same way, or if this is all described. Because I I don't think Spielberg came back for that one. I know for no, sure Michael Crichton didn't do shit, uh, for it. But yeah, the guy who was set to direct this before Spielberg took over actually ends up directing the third one. Is it Joe Johnson or Joe yeah. Dante? J- Joe J- Joe J- Joe Jameis Jonason, I think is his name. <laughs> No, it, it is Joe something. Uh, Joe Johnson, right. Which who's Joe become a, a director, uh, established director. Of, I mean, he, he did the Rocket... Shit, I'm looking at it. He did the, uh, the Rocketeer, Captain America, First Avenger, October Sky. He's done a lot of stuff I like. Jumanji. Huh. Uh, maybe that's what it is. Like This is something that Spielberg felt like he was he had to do, obligated to do. Maybe had a couple... like He wasn't dead, but like there, the passion wasn't there where Joe Johnson's like, this is getting flipped. Like a you know a, a keys a really nice sports car and he appreciates it you know yeah uh and he's but I yeah I I don't know I uh, <laughs> it'd be interesting to experiment to, to check out that and we we didn't have the original trilogy mm-hmm. that's all I got do you got anything else no that's it well Sheldon I uh, I hope we didn't I, I I know that you said it doesn't quite hold up I think maybe you liked it a little bit more than we did I hope we're we're <laughs> I hope we're not crushing you underneath our sh- shoe. Like so many headphone wearing schlubs underneath the T Rex claw, uh, but uh, I did have fun. I did I did laugh a lot watching it, and had a lot of fond memories of some of my favorite parts. I did one the one Jurassic Park three two screw up that I had is I thought this one was the one that had Tia Leone in it, and she must be in the third. Oh one. right, yeah she is. So uh, I had a little bit of blended Jurassic Park memories of our, our own, but uh, we really appreciate the commission. Really appreciate your support. Uh, and anybody out there who thinks, "Hey, it'd be a, it'd be it'd be a lot of fun to see what Jim and and Aaron think about my favorite movie or a movie that I think is interesting," well, you need to get to support.baldmove.com. Check the commission podcast app uh, and plunk uh, your money down. We'll contact you and handle the rest. Uh, thanks again, Sheldon. Really appreciate your commissions. Uh, we will see you guys back on the next Pulp Podcast sometime soon. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.